One of the greatest joys and blessings of life is the blessing to be able to hear. We take so many things for granted. Uh, I worked with a couple fellows years ago who were deaf and learned a little sign language. And one of the things I realized that one of them struggled with was he always felt like folks were talking about him. Whenever there was a conversation, there was some laughter, they, he would want to know. Um, they were great guys. There was really nothing to talk about. They were good workers and good fellows, but that's what he struggled with. But it's a blessing to be able to hear, to hear sounds and hear songs and people's voices. Uh, it's, 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 it's a blessing. Don't take it for granted. But the greatest deafness is not, not being able to hear. It's not being willing to hear. Jesus taught that there is no greater blindness than a blindness that refuses to see. There is no greater deafness than an ear that will not hear. Uh, Pilate should have listened, and he didn't. Now, there's a couple reasons he didn't. If there ever was a time for a man to listen to his wife... He should have listened to his wife. In the Gospel of Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, Pilate got a note. And some of the most powerful things a man will ever receive is a note from his wife. And the note said this, have nothing to do with that righteous man. Because I have suffered a lot last night in dreams. He took the note and set it aside. He should have listened to his own conscience as he knew this was a righteous man. In fact, in the passage we're going to look at, it says that when he gets certain news, he became more afraid. He was already frightened. He had never met anyone like Jesus Christ. The dignity and glory that this man displayed before Pontius Pilate was evident. He saw it. He knew why the Jews had brought him, and he knew this was a righteous man. He ignored the very words of Jesus Christ when Jesus said, I have come from somewhere else, and I am here to tell you truth. He shut that off. there ever was a man who should have listened, it was Pontius Pilate. But let's not be too hard on Pilate. We have refused to listen in the past ourselves, have we not? And but by the grace of God who continue and persistently shares with us truth, he does break through when we open up, does he not? One writer has uh, equivalated it as 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 a little boy with his finger in the dike and all you need to do is just pull it back and open your heart and the rush of the water through that through that dike as it busts down will be amazing John chapter 19 John chapter 19 as we continue when we'll finish with Pilate this morning um, I hope Pilate had a good ending to his life 
I hope he got saved. Some reports say he did in the end, but we'll look at that in a few minutes, what legend tells us about Pontius Pilate. But we have before us the record, and uh, notice in verse 7, well, let's go back to 6. When Pilate said to the Jews, by the way, he attempted numbers of ways to get rid of this problem. Uh, he sent him to, at one point he sent him to Herod to get him away from himself and hopefully the Jews would lose interest in the trial. But that doesn't work. It never works to send Jesus off to someone else because he always comes back to you and I, does he not? Uh, he uh, attempted to rationalize or reason with the Jews that I find nothing wrong with him. He tried to, at one point, scourge Jesus so severely that he was at the point of death and just a ragged, bloody mess trying to invoke the sympathy of the Jews. He had tried and tried and tried. This trial started at 6 in the morning. By the time we finish the passage today, it will be noon. Six hours he's working at getting this man off the hook with these Jews. And finally, he comes out to them and he says in verse 6, Take him yourselves. Crucify him. I find nothing wrong. I find no fault in him. Now, he was toying with the Jews at this point. He knew they couldn't do it. You take him. You crucify him. He's throwing it back on them. He knew they couldn't do it. He He was so frustrated that he was throwing this in their face. Well, they threw it right back. Verse 7, the Jews answered, we have a law, meaning Jewish law, and according to that law, he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. Now, at this point, the hair flies up on the back of Herod, the ears are poised forward, and he has got the full attention of the Jews. Now, Romans are polytheistic. They believe in numbers of gods. They're highly superstitious. They believe that gods appear to them. They believe in manifestation of... So they are highly, acutely spiritual in a worldly sense. Pilate had his suspicions, but now they just... The Jews just... This is what he claimed he was. He quickly leaves their presence and goes back into the palace in verse 9. Oh, verse 8, let's not miss that one. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. Fear level, fear level. You know, fear doesn't get anybody saved. It really doesn't. The reason fear doesn't get anybody saved is because fear is involved what's going to happen to me. He knew he had before him someone who he couldn't figure out. And here's this suggestion that he's claiming not to be a son of God, but the son of God. At this point, he is afraid for his own whatever. His safety, his job, his welfare. He is the central focus of his fear, and it didn't get him to Christ. A lot of times the Gospels 
presented as a fire escape from hell. Get saved, sign the card, and you get out of hell, and then you can go live your life any way you want to live it, whatever. That's not the gospel. And a lot of people walk an aisle because they're scared half to scared half to death of hell, and you ought to be afraid of hell. But the, the message of the gospel is about what Jesus Christ did for you, not how you can get out of free ticket. Well, notice he was more afraid. Look at verse 9. And he entered his headquarters again, and he said to Jesus, Where are you from? Bingo! Rummy! Throw the confetti in the air. This is the question. This is the burning question ought to be on every human being's heart. Jesus, where are you from? He wasn't asking him what territory he was born in. He already knew he was a Galilean. That's why he sent him to Herod. He was asking, what is your origin? Because if Jesus is God in the flesh, we better hang on every word he says. If he is God, Jehovah God, the God of all creation, if he is his representative, if he is his man, if he is the God-man, if his origin is from heaven, you better listen to him. Because he is the only one who can tell of heaven how to get there. That's it. He is the only one that can tell us about a father who loves us. He is the only one that can wipe away every myth, every misconception of God, and present the Father as He truly is. You better listen, and not with this, with this. Because this will get you to the end of a service. This will change your heart. Opening up to who He is. Where are you from? Now, I really want Jesus to answer that. But he doesn't. He doesn't. You talk about an awkward silence. You talk about a prolonged staring contest as they just stand there and look at each other. And as the moments go on and his lips do not open, Pilate becomes even more distressed. Listen carefully, beloved. There are times he does not speak to us because he's spoken enough. And you know. Uh, A.W. Pink has a suggestion. I don't know if I totally agree with it, but it certainly is fascinating of why, why Jesus doesn't speak. Pink writes this. Thirdly, Pilate was not entitled to a reply. He makes his point in this way. He had acted in the grossest injustice when he refused to release the one whom he declared was innocent. He had despised God's warning through his wife. He had declined to wait for an answer to what is truth. He had, against his own conscience, scourged the Savior and allowed his soldiers to mock and berate him. Why then should Christ reveal to him the mystery of his person? I don't know if I can go with pink, but I, I kind of like the suggestion. He has made himself fully revealed. 
It is not time to speak anymore. It is time for Pilate to open his heart and believe. Notice his response in verse 10. So Pilate said to him, You don't talk to me? Oh, cat got your tongue? You have nothing to say? You put in there the inflection that's, I think it was kind of a, a shock to Pilate. You say nothing to me? Notice what he says then. Do you not know that I have authority to release you? And I have authority to crucify you. Now, Pilate was accurate in that statement. He did have the authority to release him. He did have the authority to crucify him. But he had made one calculable error. Notice verse 11. Jesus said, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Let's stop there. I want to talk a little bit about authority. It has nothing to do with the passage, but I want to do a little, little side because I think it's relevant here. Authority is something that's despised in our culture. The villains are the police, not the thugs. Uh, classrooms run wild many times with the authority of a teacher not seen. All authority in life is a gift from God. It is God's grant to this society to make this society work. No man has ultimate authority permanently. God gives the teacher in the classroom, the police on the street, political figures, church leaders, authority for a time to be used in a godly, righteous way. Now, is authority always used in a godly, righteous way? No, because men are sinful. But that doesn't negate the, the necessity of God-given authority. There will come a time when none of us will have any authority. It will all be given back to Him. We possess authority for the, the sake of good and righteous things. There's two mistakes you make with Authority. One is for all of us at times who are under authority, and the other mistake is made by those who are in authority in any way. The mistake under authority is to reject it, to reject it, to say no one tells me what to do. No one, it took me a long time to understand that principle. I mean a long time. I was always a rebel at heart. Rules were made to be broken. They're not. Rules are made to be followed, unless those rules violate that book. The second mistake by, are those who have authority that abuse it, that use it for their own selfish gain, and that happens. Now, enough of that. Pilate had temporary authority. Jesus didn't deny it. He just recognized that you have authority as something's been given to you by God to do the right thing, Pilate. And he didn't. Notice it says, Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. I find categories of sin here, don't you? Notice, notice he doesn't let Pilate off the hook. Those who delivered me over to you are the ones who are sinners. No, they have the greater sin. You have a sin in what you're doing. 
Look at verse 12. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, If you release this man, this was a calculated move, you are not Caesar's friend. All Pilate cared about was keeping the peace. All Pilate cared about was loyalty to Caesar. He could care less of a Jewish question of religion at all. He could, he, he had, that wasn't his place of authority. But Caesar was. Notice the manipulation of the Jews. They hated Caesar. And yet they used his name here to, to gain Pilate's attention and to get him to use that authority in an abusive way. Notice, if you release this man, you are not Pilate's, Silas, Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. You. If you oppose Caesar, you are not his friend. Now remember, for a week, months ago, I'm sure you do remember, that Pilate had been in trouble twice with Rome for things he had done in Palestine. Three strikes, you're out. One more report from the Jews to Rome. Pilate loses his job. They were hanging his job over his head is what they were doing. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down, notice, on the judgment seat at the place called the Stone Pavement, the Stone Court. How appropriate to set up the final court scene on slabs of cold, solid rock. How appropriate to Pilate's heart. How appropriate to the Jews' heart that the trial of Jesus would occur on something as hard and inflexible as stone. Doesn't this story just drip of drama and message? How cold was my heart before I opened it to Jesus Christ? How cold we all were to him before he opened our hearts and got our attention. I'm not asking you today if you're listening with this. I'm asking you, are you listening with that? We willingly shut that like stone. In the Aramaic, it's called Gebatha. Verse 14, now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. Don't, don't, there's, there's no... There's no words in scriptures that are fillers. Here outside the stone court, pilgrims are bringing their bleeding sheep in to sacrifice on the altar. Blood is flowing down the temple, down to the brook Kidron. A quarter million Jews have brought a quarter million lambs. They said the blood flowed out of that temple like a river. Blood all over the place. And here is the Lamb of God going to be set out to be sacrificed. Oh, the uselessness of religion. Oh, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Set side by side. 
Now, it was the day of the Passover, and it was about the sixth hour. Jews' day started at six in the morning. This is noon. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. And one last attempt for them to back off. Behold your king. This is what they said. Away with him. Away with him. Crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? And here's the nail in the coffin. Here's the last pound of the spike that finished it all off. They persisted and they said, we have, notice the hypocrisy of a Jew. We have no king but Caesar. You have no king? God in heaven is not your king? Notice the compromise and the hypocrisy of these men. To go that far, to hate Christ that much. We have no king but Caesar. And if to say to Pilate, who is your king? That's what they were saying. So, he delivered him over to them to be crucified. Done. Finished. Walks back into the palace. One gospel says he washes his hands as as if water could get the guilt of what he's done off of him. Nothing. Nothing. Pilate came on the scene in 26 AD. He served for about 10 years in Palestine. This was 33 AD. Within two to three years, he had gotten in trouble again with the Jews. They had sent a note to Rome. Rome had called him back. On that journey back, it goes silent. We don't know what happened to Pilate. Most believe he died in 39 A.D., five, six years after this trial. Isubius, the the early church historian, claims that Pilate killed himself, committed suicide. He'd gotten so much trouble with Rome, he just offed himself. There ends the life of a man with a closed heart. I just got a couple things to say to you at the end. Number one, he, God never, he never violates your free will. He never ramshod you. The grace that he offers is resistible. You can turn it down. You can enjoy his life and turn him down as your savior. You absolutely can. And there's a time that he stops talking because he's talked enough. We as parents and grandparents, we talk too much to our kids. We talk too much. Quit talking. Do something. God doesn't talk to us when we know the truth. He expects us to respond to it. I like pillows. I absolutely love pillows. I think it's one of the most beautiful words in the English language. (laughs) Pillow. If I was on a firing squad going to be shot, I'd close my eyes and just keep saying pillow, pillow, pillow. (laughs) I like the way they feel. I like to bury my face in them. I like to bury the back of my head in them. I like to to mess my hair up with a pillow. Pillow. I like squeezing a pillow. If I, I don't want to let my pillow let go. 
Pilate had a pillow. It was his position. He loved it. He loved it. What's your pillow? Won't you let go? See, in order for Pilate to embrace Christ, he had to do this. He had to let it go. He had to forget about his job, his position with Rome, his power, his authority. What's your pillow? Do you think that's not relevant? Jesus told the rich man, go sell everything you've got and then come follow me. And it says he went away sad because he had great riches. I would suggest to you he had nothing. Now you don't get saved by letting your pillow go. But if you're clutching your pillow, you, you can't embrace him. You can't have both. When I was a kid, I laid in a hay field a lot. And I loved looking at the sky. I loved it. I loved watching the, the clouds. We don't do that kind of stuff when we grow up. We're too busy and too important to lay in a hay field and watch clouds go by. I loved the shapes of them. I'd look for, for stuff in the clouds. I, I just, you know, and, and, but you know on the backdrop of that, that sky when those clouds would go by was a deep blue. It's beautiful. Okay? You know, this life, Everything changes. Everything's, you fixed your problem today, get ready, you'll have one tomorrow to fix. <laughs> everything in life can be taken away from you. Do you know that? Like clouds, everything, I mean, tomorrow could all be gone. Your house could burn down, your car could run off a cliff, your, your mate might go to be with the Lord. Everything you possess in this life are like clouds. There's only one blue backdrop that matters, and that's God. That's it. And that never changes. You know, the sky doesn't float away. It's just right there all the time. Clouds come and go. Everything you can have can be taken away. Pilate, within four, five, six years, he was dead. Possibly by his own hand. He lost his job. He lost his life. He lost it all. Because he wouldn't give it up when he was presented with Jesus Christ. It's going to soon be over, brother soon be over. You won't have to listen to preachers preach on and wish you were out of here by 12. It'll all be over. We'll all be in heaven rejoicing. No more pain, no more suffering. What you got your eyes on? Do you know Christ today? Do you know him today? Do you know him today? Do you really know him? Do you know Christ?